Welcome to the Creative Cookbook Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Callahan, co-founder and CEO of Promily. This podcast is all about the music industry and creative businesses. I spend the time talking to founders, artists and musicians, hearing their stories and getting them to share their best techniques to succeed. Please make sure you like, subscribe and share with your friends. Let's hop into the show. Hi, Lewis. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. Hi, Pete. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. We've known each other now for years, haven't we? Um, we certainly have. Just saying before the call, I think, has it been seven years, maybe, roughly? It's got to be somewhere along that lines, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, the, the time soon flies, doesn't it, Pete? Yeah, it does. It's kind of scary. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> the good thing is we're still here seven years later, still pushing sort of music and business and stuff like that. So we're, we're doing something right, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's great, actually, you know, all, all the sort of time and years that uh, I've been in the in the music industry and, uh, you know, and even sort of before that, as you're, as you're sort of cutting your teeth, so to speak, uh, and finding your, finding your feet and, and working your way up through the scene that you're in. It's great to see so many people that you meet along the way who are uh, sort of at the early stages with you, who've all gone on to do, you know, fantastic things in their own fields. It's, uh, yeah, it's great to see. Yeah, definitely. What I'd love to find out is how you started Cygnus, but you you are the founder, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. So we, we officially launched back in April of 2009. And it sort of came about initially um, on a practical level. So at that point, and for a few years previously, I had a couple of vinyl record labels for any of the younger viewers. They're like the really, really big black CDs. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, I had a vinyl record label, uh, a couple of vinyl record labels. And uh, I actually had them through two different vinyl distributors. And I sort of, one of them was a partnership with a friend of mine and another one I did initially on my own. And it was around sort of 2008 when started realizing that sort of digital was starting to become a thing. And, you know, that there was maybe a, 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 a little bit of money to be made out of it. And um, one of the distributors that I worked with did all that side of things. And they had agreements in with iTunes and Beatport uh, and would deliver your content. But the other distributor that I worked with didn't do that. I sort of spoke to them and asked them if they're going to have any sort of plans to do so. And they said, no, not really. Didn't really think it was worth it. So I looked to sort of get it set up for myself so that I could just basically provide the one label. So we got that set up and and then sort of having conversations with other people in the same scene, doing similar stuff to us. And you start realizing that there's other people that were in a, a sort of similar situation to us. So, you know, you sort of say, okay, listen, I can sort of take care of that for you. And you know, it didn't sort of take many months really before you started realizing that actually there was sort of quite a big gap in the market for, for sort of people looking to do this. And it wasn't sort of fully evident certainly within our scene at sort of the best ways of doing it so from there the, the, the company sort of naturally and organically sort of started to take shape one of the one of the tricky parts in the early days is is actually getting set up as a distributor because of course you say right okay right we're going to be a distributor so we'll contact itunes and we'll say right yeah i'd like i'd like to set up an agreement with you uh, we're a distributor and i'll say great okay 
how many record labels have you got? Well, just the one in <laughs> myself. Uh, and I say, oh, right. So you're not really a distributor then. No, come back when you've got some more labels. And, and so, so you'll go back with 10 labels and they're like, no, you, you need to be, you need to have a hundred labels to sort of get on board. So you go, right. Okay. And then you, you sort of build things up to a hundred labels. And then by that point, as the industry, that side of the industry has grown, then their criteria for what they will allow on with the direct contact has grown. So then you get to a hundred and they're like, no, no, actually we need 500, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. But yeah, one of the trickiest parts is actually sort of getting going with it. And, you know, sort of even in the early days, we initially started off for the first year, um, piggybacking off other services, taking a very, very small sort of percentage for what we did and kind of operating really, you know, at a sort of neutral cost, just so that we could actually sort of build up our client base and just sort of doing the service for, you know, not, not for nothing, but enough to cover our costs really so that we could build up our, our repertoire of labels and artists that we work with uh, so that we're in a stronger position to be able to negotiate direct deals with with the services yeah that's amazing when when you first started how did you kind of pitch this to labels to get them on board without actually being able to distribute to say itunes is it purely when you went for an aggregator and you said look we can do this or yeah so like from the off and and this was something that i sort of put in place right from the start because I, as I say I needed to find a solution for my own record label at the time so, so, so what we did was we found an aggregator at the time who charged a percentage and negotiated a slightly lower percentage with them and then just sort of passed that service on so from the off we were able to deliver to all of the necessary stores that we needed to yeah and, and then sort of as the years would go on then we'd start sort of trying to negotiate more direct deals but to be honest if you're not able to deliver to the key stores whatever they were you know whatever point in time then you then, then you can't really work with anybody because people don't want to be using two different companies to get their music in places and that's always been the case yeah it's still is the case now isn't it you can't be on two distributors at once it's like one or the other Absolutely. You know, like uh, a, a lot of distributors, certainly the ones that work similar to us, it'll be an exclusive contract for, you know, for labels and artists for a set period of time. So, yeah, but for us, as I say, it's sort of 2009. So there were there, there were a handful of companies around at the time, but but certainly nowhere near the amount that are around now. And so... I did it, you know, I went out and looked for a, a, a few labels, but in all honesty, a lot of it happened quite naturally just from conversations. As I said, I ran two record labels myself. So I was in contact with a number of artists anyway, and you sort of naturally get to know the other people that are in the scenes that you work in. So people sort of talk and naturally from the artists that you speak to who know what you're doing, they decide then they would like to set their own label up and the artists that they speak to and sign then want to find out how it's done. Yeah. And and really the company has grown for for the majority of the part by word of mouth really people talking to people you 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 find that people have a good experience with 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 any service that they do they will speak about it and it's it's one of the best best forms of of marketing you can have it's not something that you can just instantly pay for it does need working at and whilst people that have a good experience with a company will talk and uh, and and it's a, a a much better turnaround of conversion than you would get with any other type of marketing on the same flex 
bad news will also get talked about probably about 10 times quicker and faster uh, than, than the good news uh, or the good service that you've provided. That's interesting. Have you done anything like paid ads or like you do? Everyone I speak to, they've mentioned Cygnus who come through Promly and said, oh, yeah, Cygnus sent me this. So but then you ask them, how did you find out about that? And they said, well, they're just a distributor. They'll let me know of you already before they even have to Google it, which is it's interesting. So, yeah, that, that's it. You know, we've tried a couple of times doing doing sort of paid adverts and things like that for us as a company because because we're very selective with the not only the styles of music that we work with but also the caliber of of music that we work with in comparison to some of the other distributors out there that will work on a sort of pay-as-you-go model uh you pay your five pound or your ten pound they'll send you single out and you sort of renew it every year they'll work with anybody as long as you've got the money to pay for it they'll send the music out and uh, you keep most of the royalties but the reality is 90 sort of eight percent of what they send out doesn't make even the probably the royalties that that the people have paid out and they give a very minimal amount of service within them. but for us we we work on a percentage basis so for us we offer a much higher level of service than you would get at your sort of typical pay-as-you-go type distributor so for us we we need to know not only that the the, the quality of music is solid but that also the, the marketing plans are in place and you know the artists they're working with have all already got sort of some some sort of some kind of traction because otherwise we're just sort of having to work and incurring costs without ever sort of possibly even sort of covering those costs and, and apart from that outside of the financial side of it it's also part of what part of has got us to where we are now with the with the reputation we've got is because of our our entry levels and the caliber of music that we do work with and i think that sort of that that carries forward and i think people respect that as a company you don't allow anybody to distribute for you do you no, that's correct. That's correct. Oh. It's, it, it's quite a, I mean, people will go for an application process. We've got uh, a range of sort of set questions that we'll go through, just asking them the biggest artists they work with and, uh, you know, what their marketing plans are and things like that. All the music gets listened to in advance to check this at a commercial level. You know, the main thing is really, we'll work with a lot of established artists, a lot of established labels, but we will also work with a lot of new artists, new labels, as long as they they have got, a same plan of what, what they how they're going to move from where they are to you know where they want to get to what type of plan do you look for is it like a business plan but record label format or kind of it's not so much you know i, I wouldn't call it a business plan that we're asking for they're simple questions that can be answered in a couple of paragraphs but it's really finding out whether they've got an understanding of what what the 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 job they've got in front of them is you'd be surprised really how many people sort of just expect to put music out put a post on their socials when they don't really have much of a social reach uh, and they sort of think that that's going to be enough when in reality you know I know and you know and lots of other people know that there's a there's a lot more to it done that and it's uh, you know and, and often it isn't a quick process some artists and some labels start off and uh, and gain notoriety reasonably quickly but then there's other people that have been in the game for years if not decades before they really do get their their big break and during that time they'll have been working constantly 
putting lots of time and effort into their craft and into sort of, sort of pushing themselves out there. Often in the early days, having to work other full-time jobs to, to ensure that they can, you know, eat and live. And it, it does require a, a high level of dedication. It's certainly tough, isn't it? And mm. I speak to a lot of artists and who use promo and they say, well, I've delivered my promo and my sales haven't increased. And I said, well, how long have you been doing this for? And they said, well, you know, I haven't got any results off this one promo. So you need to consistently market yourself for years and years and years. And I think, like you said, a lot of these artists, they think, yeah, running a label, that looks cool. You know, but my friends are probably going to find it interesting if I say I'm a label owner now. That's it. Actually, in reality, you wear a hundred hats and it's just you with little income at first, maybe in a year's time, music will start to compound and the sales will start to compound. And before you know it, you're making 20 quid a month. And then then you got to the next hurdle. How do you make 30, 40, 50? And it's hard, isn't it? It is. It is hard. It is hard. It's always been hard. It's hard in this day and age for different reasons than maybe it previously was but but it is hard and it is a labor of love you know i would sort of honestly to anybody that is purely sort of going to get into the music industry just to make money you know for the most part it often doesn't work out that way there's plenty of people that do make money at it but most of those people started from a place of of love for what they do and it develops into into something that makes money later in their life definitely what do you think is the most important thing for new artists who want to start their own label what, what would you recommend you know it, it's very hard to sort of pin things down to what is the most important and I, and I think certainly in today's musical industry landscape there there's so many things and it's changing so quickly you know the music industry kind of stayed very similar over decades and decades music was released on vinyl and it stayed like that from you know probably you know a, a wild stab uh, i guess the 40s 50s up until cd uh, cds came around which would have been you know 80s late 80s early 90s so you know not a lot really changed in that sort of four decades then you know and then we've had digital and, and by the time that Digital really started coming out. You sort of people downloading MP3s. You know, it was really only a handful of years before then streaming's come about, and you know, and people now and streaming now is the, the, the sort of biggest income from, from the music industry. And downloads are already sort of being discussed at sort of being something of the past. So uh, you know, that, and that sort of happened within a decade. So so yeah, things change very very quickly. There's a lot of there's a lot of different income streams out there there's a lot of different ways to be able to market yourself and a lot of different things to take into consideration so very hard to pinpoint down on one thing but there are a number of things that that I sort of feel are important and certainly things that I often see not being done either correctly or not being taken into consideration you know some of them you know, so some of them are the sort of techniques and things like that, but a lot of them are sort of fairly basic things that maybe just haven't been thought about. It's something that that we see at the company more and more all the time is because there are so many more artists now, there are so many more labels. 
the level for entry now has been removed. There's so many people doing music now. So unique artist names. We get so many people now that are coming with the artist names that there there are at least one of, if not five or ten of. And apart from the fact that it can cause issues with your tracks going onto the wrong profiles and things like that, there's also the issue just of people wanting to find you. So if they like what you what what you do, the first thing people do when they want to find out more, go into Google and type it in there. And if your name is not unique, both from you know other artists or or something else that's going to come up in a search term that will will supersede you, then it can be very hard hard for artists. To to find you or find your music. So that is a real, real basic one. And it's not hard for people to find that. What they need to do is just go on Spotify, go on to Beatport, if you're a dance artist, and do a little, a few Google searches and just see. Often, if there's an artist name that you really love, then there's different iterations that you could use to, to, to sort of make it unique. That's a big one and a very, very easy one for, for, for people to look at. Another thing as well is don't sort of rush things. Um, we're in an age now where everything happens quick. Everybody expects things to happen uh, at a click of a button. And we often sort of see a lot of artists wanting to, they've been producing a few months and they're ready now to set up a label and get their music out there. With so much music out there, it's very hard to sort of break through. So by spending the time initially to sort of try and push yourself out there, making sure you get in front of the, you know, the right tastemakers and DJs and giving music out for free to sort of help build your social reach and things like that can make a big, big difference before you start launching yourself onto uh, the paid for platforms. Certainly, as I say, you know, most distributors if you're into if, you, if you're in dance music then then you kind of need to be on the certain dance stores like people and like juno and for the most part the page you go stores don't deal with those so so you're gonna have to get through to a distro company if you're gonna do it directly and most of the ones that i know about are gonna have some level of acceptance criteria anyway so yeah so sort of uh, take the time sort of hone your craft make sure that you are happy with your music. There's a lot of artists who who I speak to of all different levels. Some of them that you know that are, that are at the top of their game now, and every single person will look back on music that they did two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. And go, oh God, I can't believe I put that out because their production level will have gone up and and things sort of change. So uh, yeah, certainly take your time to hone your craft and build your presence. That's another good one as well. Be an expert in in your genre or your scene that you work in know who's who you know who the right people are you know and get yourself out there like sort of uh, interacting with with other people within the scene at at, the, at your level and at the the higher levels and commenting on their things and, and sort of making yourself known without actually asking anything of anybody means that when you do come to the point that you're asking people to listen to your music they're going to be a lot more likely to do so if you're just kind of spamming people and just expecting sort of Andy C and all these sort of uh, big big D DJs to be instantly listening to all your demos it just it just doesn't really sort of work like that they get so many to listen to so sort of uh yeah get yourself involved in the scene in advance 
another good one is just making sure you sort of maintain an organic and sort of healthy social media presence, not sort of just spamming all the time about what you've got coming up next, but actually being personable on there. People like to know and feel that they've got a connection with artists these days now. So if you are sort of talking a little bit more about the sort of things you're doing and what's happening in your life and just, you know, little bits and pieces, people sort of feel like they can engage more and you're doing maybe sort of live streams for, you know, for your your, your fan base and, and things like that and just engaging with them personally if people leave you comments and sort of getting back to them. All of that can really sort of help make your fan base feel part of the journey uh, so that's uh, that, that i think's uh, a must having a decent mailing list for your promos and having a, having a decent software solution for sending out your your dj mailers getting it to the right people at the right time so that they can be playing it in advance of release dates you know is is key and also having systems that enable you like promotely to be able to capture comments and feedback from those djs means that you can be using that in your marketing in advance of the release which is which you know which is key and and sort of moving on further to that when you're sort of at the level that you are then going to be putting music out and you've either you're either an artist with a direct deal with a distributor or you've set your label up with a with a crew of artists Something that we, we we often see or don't see, as the case is, is press releases getting put out. Certainly, you know, we, we, there's lots we don't get sent to us, and I'd hazard a guess that they probably don't go out to a lot of a lot, a lot of places as well where they'd be useful. But something we've sort of touched on previously: the amount of music that stores, digital service providers get now is just ridiculous. Uh, you sort of mentioned it's around about 60,000 tracks are added to Spotify on a daily basis. So th- there's no way that Spotify as a company and even sort of Beatport and places like that can listen to even 1% of the music that gets in there. So what they'll do when they're looking for what they're going to playlists feature or stick on charts and on the socials is firstly do they recognize the label secondly do they recognize the artist you know if you're if you're if you're already a well-known label and you're already a well-known artist then they will be looking at that obviously if you're at that point anyway then i I guess you know you, you probably don't need as much of the advice as i've just given anyway but if you've got neither of those then the only way that that they can find out what your music is about is by telling them so a press release will it basically it's a it's an opportunity for you to sell your music pitch your music without somebody actually listening to it at that point then you can tell them exactly why it's good what the artist has done the story behind the music which is something actually that would never have previously been on press releases but it's starting to become more of a more of something that, that certainly the streaming sites like to know that then gives them a chance to to have a look at it they can skim over it and if they like what they read then they'll listen to the music and at that point then you know that that's when the music comes into play but prior to that they they, they, they a lot of it won't even get listened to by the stores for, for consideration so yeah press releases uh, and decent sort of marketing efforts uh, are key once you you are actually sort of releasing music out there and making sure that that information is fed back to the distributors because we can only sort of 
pitch on your behalf with the information that we know. So make sure you keep us informed and, and, and we can sort of pass that on. For, for, you know, for anybody that does sort of work with us or, you know, does, does work with us in the future, and I'm sure there's probably other distributors with maybe similar uh, type sort of things, we have a resources guide that's available for uh, all, all of our customers and that enables them to go on and have a look, not only at sort of how to get started with our services and how to use the software and things like that that we do, but also to sort of how to maximize your sales. Uh, and there's some fantastic detail in there. My business partner, Dan Clyde, has put the, the vast majority of that together over the last couple of years. And, you know, it, it, there's some fantastic information in there. Spotify, which is a big, a big focus for a lot of artists and for a lot of labels. You know, it brings in, it brings in, I'd probably say the, the highest amount of revenue of the standard sort of DSPs for a lot of people. So it's a big focus for a lot of people. And, you know, and then Dan sort of reached out to Spotify and spent a lot of time going through with the sort of really uncovered a lot of the type sort of things that they are looking for to sort of help artists and labels with how they approach their marketing, how they approach, how they pitch to the services so yeah so anybody that does does have access to that i'd implore them to to check it out yeah that's really interesting i want to talk a bit more about spotify because it's as much as people complain about it everyone wants to be sort of algorithmed to, to, to the top don't they so if i had a label and i was promoting music how do i get into playlists do i pay for it do i submit them somehow or What's the best way of getting noticed when, like you said, there's 60,000 tracks added every yeah. single day, which is, I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I mean, how do you fight through that? Yeah, this is it. You know, uh, again, there's not, unfortunately, one sort of easy fix for it. So as for paying for playlists, you know, for, if, from my sort of experience, there's not really sort of any shortcut in there. You know, some, something to sort of to sort of mention, differentiate is that there are there are three sort of types of playlists. Really, everybody wants to sort of get on uh, New Music Fridays. Uh, you know, all the sort of biggest Spotify playlists. But you've got uh, you you basically got three sort of three different types of playlists. You've got the ones that everybody knows, which are which are curated by Spotify. Then you've also got uh, Spotify's algorithmic playlists, so things like Release Radar and your daily mixes and things like that. Then you've also got user-generated playlists. So these will be playlists that anybody with a Spotify account can create and make public. And some of these have been around for many, many years, back in the early days before everybody knew that Spotify, about Spotify and how big it was going to be. So they've got really, really great sort of follow counts and listenerships and other ones that have been done, you know, with well-known brands and things like that. So, so these are controlled by the users that have them. So, the, the best, you know, it's impossible to expect to get straight into the, the, the curated playlists on Spotify. It just doesn't happen that way. They're looking for, for those playlists, they're looking at a number of different things to, to, to be able to take that into consideration. And I'm sure there's lots of things that, that would be sort of secret source, so to speak. But certainly they want to see organic traction for the music. They want to see whether tastemakers are listening 
listening to it. They'll have in their algorithms, they have that they have the ability to know certain users that will maybe like and listen to songs that get popular prior to them being popular. They kind of class as tastemakers there and they will take, I think, a bit more credence in them following and engaging with music than, than your average user because they've got they've got they've got history at, at sort of picking the things that do seem to go well um so they'll also look at say you sort of how many plays are going in how many playlists are, are putting your music in there how many people are listening to music and not skipping it there's a lot of different aspects that spotify will look at before they start putting it into their big playlists however what you can do to, to make roads into that is start start trying to make headway into getting into user-generated playlists. Say so some of these may be brands, but a lot of these are just fans of music that happen to have a playlist that uh, they've had it for a long time and it's done well. So try and track down who these people are, reach out to them, try and build a relationship with them. <laughs> excuse me try and build a relationship with them maybe you know offer them the music pre-release so they can listen to it before it comes out and uh, and hopefully if you build a relationship with them then you could these people will be constantly putting your music into their playlists which will give you extra reach extra listeners will sort of ping off on spotify's algorithms for the playlist side of things having decent marketing so that it grows the the plays in there and having influencers I, I guess for a better word that post about the music all sort of feeds back into that and then with the algorithmic playlists they any any artist that you release things like release radar any artists anybody that follows that artist they will automatically get those into their release radar so if you're working with artists as a label who's already got a decent follower uh, on spotify then that will help get into the release radar and yeah so there there's some good techniques to sort of help build it in there but in regards to the pitching side of things everybody both artists labels and managers can get access to Spotify for artists and and in there they've got the ability to be able to pitch their music a week to 10 days prior to it coming out and uh, so it could be taken into consideration for playlists and uh, something that I think a lot of people do and certainly it's it's, people is it's understandable why people would do this is they will treat it a bit like a uh, press release where they'll say what marketing they've done and uh, and stuff like that and and that information is useful but actually what we found is that what spotify are actually looking for in this pitch more than the marketing achievements is actually a bit of a background and a bit of a story on maybe the artist or or why the song was written and this uh, and this actually is really resonates with Spotify because it resonates with their listeners the, the, the music landscape kind of and how your average person consumes music it has changed now previously you you were you were into a genre so that may be that you're into pop music or it may be that you're into house music or drum and bass music and that's what you're into or you, you may you were maybe into a few of them 
However, uh, and if you went to the radio, you'd maybe listen to Radio 1 for your pop. And if you went to, uh, you, you know, you do you buy a CD for specific genres. But these days now, where people will go on streaming, it's often based around either emotions or activities. Using emotions, for example, therefore then having songs that actually have a backstory to it, 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 it enables Spotify to be able to know what kind of emotions or what type of activities that this is going to work with. We had a customer of ours recently that had put a song out or they'd, they'd written a song and they they lost all of the all, all of the stems and everything from it from a computer crash. So the, so the song had gone apart from the version that they had on it. And I believe I might have the story slightly wrong, but I believe it was uh, a friend of theirs passed away. And, and, and I think it was his favorite song. So these two artists recreated the song from scratch, building it all up from the initial signs and sort of got it back to where it was. And then put vocals on it that was dedicated and written by their friend that was in there. This got relayed back to Spotify and they got some great traction directly from Spotify because of the not just because of the backstory because it's a great song as well but but that certainly helped I think play a part into the the, the success, success of the campaign on Spotify. That's interesting I hadn't actually thought that I know Spotify are music curators at the end of the day and they're, they're trying to get people's tastes and the music correct aren't they and Providing the emotion in the press release and the backstory and explaining why you've built it, I never even clicked they would look at our information and say, yeah, we'll place it in this playlist or we'll match it with this kind of listener. That's interesting. I don't, you don't ever really see anything about that written about online. And you get loads of generic how-to guides and pre-save the music. It will give them the good signals, but it stops there because... For sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, another sort of, um, another thing that I, I think can help, help grow your fan base. Certainly if you're looking to sort of grow it into maybe a wider, uh, a wider audience. Because as you say, you know, the fact that these days now, somebody's going to the gym, they'll go on Spotify and they will say, right, I want fitness workout playlist and they'll go on to that. And they're all of a sudden they're fed a range of music that could have anything from house to drum and bass to rock music. And that person may never have heard most of those genres in there, but because they they, they do listen to it and actually they hear it. Previously, they may have said, oh, I don't like drum and bass. I don't like house music because of their preconceived ideas of it. But now they'll listen to it. If they like a song from that, then they will start getting fed more of that type of music. But but certainly if collaboration, Spotify as algorithm seems to really like collaborations between artists. So if you as an artist work with another artist who may be a, a totally different genre and you do a, a track or two together then i think spotify sort of sees that information and it, it you you know i'm simplifying it slightly here i'm sure their algorithms are very very complicated but 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 it will say right okay this person the, the these followers all like this artist and all like this artist so we'll also so it thinks that maybe they will like this as well and that will go into release radar so the more sort of associations as an artist that you have with other artists means that you've got more chances of matching with 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 sort of other people's follower profiles 
And so, yeah, uh, again, you know, we've got some great resources uh, on our resources guide. And there's a, there's a few links back on there to a couple of podcasts that we listen to, which which sort of really deep dive into Spotify's algorithm. I'm trying to think what the name of it is now. I think it's Creative Juices was was up. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of different techniques. Making sure that, excuse me, making sure that when you put music out that you've got your biggest artist as a primary artist on there um not adding more than three artists onto a release say for instance you're doing a four track ep and you've got four tracks from individual people naturally you would put all four people on there but that will that will turn into a various artists product and if it's a various artists product it's not available to be pitched for it's not it's not going to get into any playlists and it will will not sort of go up at the top part of people's artists spotify profiles so what you would do in that instance is you would pick the three highest performing artists with either the most listeners or the most followers and just put those three in at at product level and that way then it will it will appear on there another technique as well which which some people are doing is if they've got an album they are releasing individual tracks to spotify for each of the tracks which enables them all to be able to be pitched individually I've seen uh, that a lot. Also means, yeah, and also yeah. means that it'll be at the top of the artist pages. And I, I, and some people also doing sort of single releases prior to albums coming out. And what that means is that when you use the same tracks in the album, all of the play counts will carry over. So, for instance, if every single track on the album has just been released previously and has done well, when the album comes out on release day, instantly you've got 10 tracks in there that have all got thousands of plays. And, and to, a, to a user, it looks like it's very popular. So little things like that, you know, they're not going to change your career overnight, but uh, but certainly it's uh, just trying about home hone how you how you put your your products to market based on the, the you know what the services want and how the services work yeah there's some clever marketing te- techniques and i never thought of if you add more than three artist names it becomes a various artists sort of compilation opposed to an ep yeah and i wonder if that's where some people are going wrong and not getting the traction so they post their release and yeah, they, they can't get playlisted and actually it's because they classify as a various artist now and not an ep you know absolutely i'm sure i'm sure there is and i you know and, it, and, and actually it's something i think that that for bigger artists is probably even more of a problem if it happens because of course where they will have followers and they do have people checking their profiles out they want that music at the top of their profile, the new music, so that people see it. If if they end up sort of getting added as a various artists, then it, then it comes on the appears on section, which is right at the bottom of the page. And often that can just go straight under the radar. So yeah, it's uh, something I think for, for artists, big and small, to take into consideration. It's safe to say your customers are well looked after on their advice. And we, we, cer- we certainly try. We certainly try. Yeah, so there's so many, like you said, there's so many distributors now where... On the face of it, they look great, but actually the knowledge isn't there. They're just a couple of engineers who set up a platform, but actually don't have any experience of the industry and how to actually sell music because 
you've come from the vinyl generation, which yeah. was very different, but actually a lot of the techniques you're talking about now were quite similar, like releasing singles. The only difference now is we can see play counts versus shot sure. buys and yeah. yeah. Well, you know, something that, you know, when we started, when I started the company, because I say it was myself initially back in 2009, but, you know, a couple of years after starting, Dan, my business partner, came on board and and he, he certainly helped with a lot of the growth of the company. And he's, a, he's an integral part of, of, of the growth of where Cygnus has got to now. Dan had... Uh, Dan had been an artist himself and had done pretty well for himself on his own merits. And so, so he had a really sort of good contact list of, of people uh, and a really great reputation within, within the scene that we were in. And something that, you know, that, that had been that had been in my mind when we set it up, you know, whilst it had been to solve a practical problem at the time, you know, there were certain things maybe that I'd had experiences because you know, over the years I've worked with, you know, I've worked with a lot of different distributors at different stages because I've managed other people's labels before I had my own. Shout out to Donovan Smith who kind of, you know, helped because it all get me down the, the whole record label route initially. And yeah, but one of the things that I noticed that as things were going more and more digital is that certain things were getting lost and sort of customer service and that sort of human touch was starting to disappear to the point now where I'd say for the, for, you know, for a lot of, a lot of companies, it's just not there anymore. You know, you open a ticket up. You, you know, you'll maybe hear back, but, but but often you don't even really have even sort of any personal names or points of contact and, and anything like that. We've always tried to make sure that we're there and available both, you know, on email and, you know, on phones and available to sort of have meetings to, you know, work alongside our artists and labels to to help them push forward, you know, whether, you know, they're, they're, they're stalwarts in the scene or whether they're at the start of their journey and, and and I think that it is that ethos and the way that we have done that that I think has sort of enabled us to to grow with the word of mouth that I mentioned about earlier in the interview. And, and I think that sort of as time goes on, it is something that's that's sort of lost more and more. I would agree with that. There's so many services I use, and just trying to get a response out of the company if something goes wrong, it, yeah. it takes ages, and you just think what's going on here? Like, you know, you sat on the beach somewhere and yeah. my, my support ticket's gone into cyberspace. Yeah. It's funny you say that because we're with Primally, we've got live customer support chat within our app and we get some people and they'll chat and they'll say, by the way, are you real? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is me. You know, like I, I am chatting to you like a human and yeah. uh, that just goes to show people are so used to talking to robots. It, they struggle to tell the difference between a carefully programmed response robot to a human. And I don't know if us, yeah. Well, how did it ever get to that stage? Like customer support, surely that should be the first thing you get right. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, if, if, if something's gone wrong, you know, then, then getting it tackled quickly and efficiently 
make can make all the difference and you know like with music it's, it's a very personal thing it isn't a one size fits all you know it's not like you're just going out you're buying a sofa do you want two seater three seater black or red uh you, you, you know the pe- artists and labels they, they you know they say for instance with an album they could have been working on it for years and you know it's been a, it's been an absolute labor of love and there'll be months and months of uh, money and time go into the marketing and uh, you know and everything all sort of points to you know to the sort of release day and stuff so you know being part of the team which we you know which we can feel like i think to a lot of our customers i think goes a long way and because of because of the amount of artists and labels that we work with and we have worked with we've we've got an insight with with the amount of data that we have to hand to kind of see you know what's what's been done what hasn't been done what's worked what hasn't worked uh, and that can sometimes just give an extra perspective to the labels and artists that maybe they wouldn't have been able to sort of have without us sitting down together so yeah you know that that i think sort of stands in good stead and you know don't get me wrong when you know as the company grows you know we when we started off and you know you've got a handful of labels and you're working with 10 people and 50 people and you know we've probably got upwards of around 1500 labels now it, it, it becomes harder to make sure that you maintain that personal contact and that personal support that you offer but but there are ways to do it you know and and as i say i, I think you know maybe for a lot of companies they'll do what works out the most cost effective and easiest route but you know that isn't always the best for the customers certainly what's next for sickness then i mean you've come on a long way haven't you going from like 10 labels to 1500 i mean where where's the stopping point do you keep going or do you launch other services yeah so you know i i think it's uh it's like anything you 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 never feel that you you you've done everything you need to do and i think you'll always want to improve on what you do and what you offer you know and for us you know a big thing is to try and make labels or, or artists lives as easy as possible and, and and i think that certainly is you know is our focus at the moment excuse me yeah that's our focus at the moment we we want the labels to focus on signing good music and, and doing what they do best. And we want the artists to be able to focus on writing music. And as you'll know yourself, Pete, uh, the, the, the ability to start a label now, you know, and, and it's been like this for the last 10 years, it is there for anybody to do. Back when it was just vinyl, you would have needed, you know, thousands of pounds to be able to actually manufacture it, you know, and, and, and even not long before that, you needed thousands of pounds to even be able to write the music because of all the studio equipment and things like that. But these days now, anybody can, you know, can do it. But it's not until you start getting down the road and all of a sudden you've had 50 releases out and then you've got 50 artists that you're working with and stuff like this. And all of a sudden you realise you're working with a lot you're working as you say you have to put a lot of different hats on and all of a sudden all the responsibilities lie on you so what we try and do and what we're aiming to do more of is 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 to try and make those roles easier and in some some aspects sort of remove them from your responsibilities so we've got a few sort of a few things on the on the table at the moment and probably the First thing that's gonna we're gonna be launching soon to in-house clients is a Spotify playlisting search tool. So this is for we, we mentioned earlier about the the user-generated playlists. 
you know, it can be hard sometimes to find out how to get in contact with, with these people because you see them on Spotify, but they're just a user. There's no way of messaging anybody on Spotify. You used to be able to actually back in the day, but they've removed that functionality and I can see why. But yeah, so you can't reach out directly very easily to these people. So you've got to do a lot of background searches. So we have developed, and it's just sort of at the final stages of development now, a tool that will allow our labels to to be able to search for certain criteria and find out contact details for playlists. So for instance, they could type in, I want to know drum and bass playlists with over 10,000 followers that contain music from this artist uh, and has Instagram handles or email addresses available. Uh, And then we'll get uh, a list of searches and that will give them all a playlist with the names that that come to their search criteria and a way that they can actually reach out directly to those people through whatever medium they've done. And this tool is going to make it really, really uh, easy, but also as well, they're going to be able to actually sort of really drill down to the type of playlists that they want to be finding out and uh, that, that they want to be on board with. And it's going to be a fantastic tool. So that's going to be uh, hopefully launching probably within the next four weeks, maybe. So it'll be an in-house tool initially. We, we're, we're probably going to, there's probably going to be a nominal charge on there for labels to use it. Possibly, you know, something like around about the, you know, sort of four pound a month mark. Um, and then that may well be something that we launch out further afield in the future, but in-house clients will always have a, a 50% discount. So, you know, if it does go out to to the wider world, it'll probably be sort of double the price of what, what the Cygnus clients will be getting. So, so that's going to be the next thing on the agenda. We've got some big updates coming out to our smart links service. So, this was something you touched on earlier with sort of pre-saves and stuff like that. We've had our own in-house service. We've now teamed up with Feature FM, which is one of the sort of bigger providers of these. And uh, and as a result, that should be hopefully launching again, probably four to six weeks, maybe. And that will provide a lot more functionality, a lot more stores and DSPs that are going to be available to be able to link to, and also a lot more for pre-saves as well. So you're going to be able to pre-save on Deezer and Apple Music and as well as Spotify. And people will be able to get those, put them out prior to their release date. And people will be able to sort of do the pre-saves on the streaming services. And then on, on release day, then those will flip round into a into a smart link, which will allow them to choose directly which service they want to go to. So that'll be a, that'll be a great upgrade that will be coming in coming soon. And then one of the big focuses for this year and probably for uh, a good chunk of next year is going to be the the accounting side of things that we do here. So that's, that's already started having a, a huge overhaul. And the, the next the next sort of stages to that is going to be focused around labels being able to account back to artists. So the next the next sort of update that we're coming that'll be coming hopefully again within the next sort of month to two months will be automatic summaries that will give will let you know exactly which stores are earning which 
which tracks are earning how much and which releases are earning how much, you know, and then also an overview instantly into sort of territories and things like that. So, you know, very similar to the sort of thing that you you would expect from analytics, but done on a statement level. So you can really sort of drive, drill down into, into you know, what's happening with your statements uh, and where your sales are coming from. But it'll give you a, an instant sort of overview of what sort of, which each of your product has made, which each of those tracks within there have made and then that's a, a sort of an in, interim feature but by hopefully the end of the year we will have a, a sort of full artist accounting suite in there so that'll enable people to assign any external costs for things like you know work or mastering and things like that that they've done they'll also be able to put in contract terms that they've had with artists and then we will be able to take that information along with the sales that we already have and we'll be able to work out exactly what every artist is owed and uh, and the the ability to be able to provide that for the labels to give to their artists and then for the start of next year we've kind of got some sort of next gen upgrades to that which I can't really go into too much detail with now but suffice to say that it will I've not seen anything quite like it out there with what we've got planned at the moment and it will certainly make uh, lives easier for for sort of everybody involved within the process from the sort of top down to the bottom and that's uh, that I think will sort of come early part of next year so so that, that that's a sort of big focus here as well you know there's going to be we're, we're constantly looking to sort of upgrade uh, and sort of build in new features into our systems so yeah we just hired a you know a a number of new developers now just to sort of push all of those things forward and you know and, and like always we'll be keeping our ear to the ground for any new services that come out any anything that we think can benefit our clients will be sort of there to to sort of find out about them and sort of push those services forward to, to you know to our clients and make sure that they're as informed as possible about how to utilize them uh, to the best of their abilities amazing sounds like you've got a lot going on <laughs> We like to keep busy, Pete, don't we? <laughs> just just a little bit, you know. <laughs> no, that's really cool. Thanks for your time, Lewis. I think we'll leave it there. You've provided a lot of insight for labels, artists, and business owners as well to where to start with the industry. It's really good. Brilliant. Listen, I really appreciate you having me on, Pete. And as I say, if anybody does want to know a little bit more about us as a company, best place to go is uh, the website, which is cygnusmusic.net. And then, of course, we've got the Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash cygnusmusic. And the Instagram, which is cygnus underscore music underscore. But you can get to all of them from the website. Nice one. Cheers, Lewis. Great stuff. Thanks, Pete. See you soon. Take care. Cool.